Welcome to U92 The Moose. I'm Lara Bonatesta. This is a joint project in conjunction with WVU Student Media, U92 The Moose, and The Daily Athenaeum. Today, we're holding a mental health Q&A using questions submitted by you, the listener, anonymously on social media. We're joined by Spring Zoka, um, pre-doctoral intern with the WVU Carruth Center. Um, and during this hour, all donations to United to the Moose will be split 50-50 with the Carruth Center with a cap of $500 an hour. If you want to donate, just go to unitytothemoose.com and smash that donate button now. So, Spring, just to start out, uh, happy Valentine's Day. How's your day going? Happy Valentine's. Happy to be here. I'm so glad that you, you've come in. So, I, I guess I just wanted to start out with, like, Jenna, before we hit that Q&A, um, just can you walk me through some of the general stuff that the Carruth Center offers to students? Sure. So um, I'm a pre-doctoral intern at the Carruth Center, and um, we have tons of services, actually, that we provide and outreaches that we do, like the one that I'm doing today, talking to everyone here about <clears throat> mental health. Um, we also have individual sessions. So if people are interested or think they might need an appointment for mental health, you can go online and schedule a triage appointment, which is just an initial appointment um, for you to come in and for us to get to know a little bit more about what's been happening, what's been going on. And then We'll work together during that appointment to think about what some of the services are that might be best for you. So, for example, um, maybe a group experience would be great. So we have groups about anxiety, depression, relationships, um, and we have other workshops that run on a shorter basis. I know on the, I think it's the 20th and 21st, we're having like a, a pottery Workshop, so you can come in and learn how to do pottery um, at the basement of Towers, the Craft Center. Is that is that where that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we do fun events like that that are just one time, or we do more um, process oriented groups. We have a outdoor adventure group that's running right now, which is awesome. Um, we also have individual sessions, as I mentioned. Um, yeah. So those are some of the some of the services that we have at Carruth. Um, we can also help with getting some psychiatry appointments or referrals to the community um, if that's what you need. We work primarily on like a short term basis. And so if you're interested in seeing somebody a little bit longer, we can help you get hooked up with an appointment for a provider who does um, specifically works with whatever issue you're bringing in. So it's kind of a little bit about the Carruth Center. Um, yeah, we don't I know that there's some myths about like the wait list at Carruth, but we don't really have a wait list. You can come in and get an appointment pretty quickly. Usually I would say within mm, a week or two um, after your triage appointment. So there is no wait list. You can come in and, and get an appointment if you need it. Neat. Um, are there any specific resources for faculty and staff as well? Um, sure. So if faculty and staff have a concerns specifically about a student, you can call into the Carruth Center and we have a crisis walk-in clinic. So if you're experiencing an urgent situation, you can just come in um, anytime, nine to five and, and walk in and a clinician will see you. And likewise, if a faculty or staff has a concern about a student, they can give a call to the Carruth Center and we can help talk through what, what some of those issues might be. Um, 
help get that staff or faculty member the right resources. <clears throat> Excuse me. On the Caruth Center webpage, there's also a link to the care uh, team. And so you can file a care report if you're concerned about a student. Um, and that way, the care team lets everyone know that there's some concern about a student and we can help get that student hooked up with services if they need it. I want to move into specifically the, the mental health sort of <clears throat> Q&A like sure. portion of, of this, because I know that's why a lot of people are kind of probably tuning in. Um, so we actually, we did a survey and we reached out to people who, uh, to see their questions related to love and mental health. So just to start out with a submitted question, um, is it healthy to have increased anxiety when you are away from a long distance partner? Sure. So um, I know that uh, there are a lot of students who are in long distance relationships and that would be a common concern, right? I think it, it would be normal, right, to have some feeling of, I don't know about anxiety, but maybe some worry or um, thinking longingly of wanting to be together with your long distance partner. Um, if there is increasing anxiety, that is like uncontrollable worry, um, especially worries about, oh, is that person going to find somebody else? Is that person going to leave me? Or is this going to work out? Uh, that might be a sign that maybe maybe you need to turn to some friends and talk to them for some support or um, think about what is it that you really want from this relationship? Maybe thinking through some of the um, really core values that you have for this relationship and having a, a discussion with your long distance partner, like, hey, I'm having these feelings, I'm having these worries that maybe you're going to meet somebody else and, and really think about um, trying to work that out in the relationship itself. And if their anxiety is getting in the way, say, of I don't know, getting to class or um, getting your homework done, getting to work, you're thinking about it all the time, then it, it might be time to come talk to somebody because that that isn't really healthy, right? Or what we would say a, a normal experience. Um, and that would be a time, right, when you would want to come in, probably talk to somebody about how you're feeling um, and find some good, some good coping skills for managing that anxiety. Thank you. Um, another submitted question that we've had, um, this person says, if I've never had a positive reciprocated experience with romance in the past, how many chances is it worth to give a potential partner before I decide to move on? Wow, that's a really interesting question, right? Because I think the, the heart of that question is about, I feel like I'm not getting what I want out of a relationship. Um, and that seems to be this person's experience over and over again. Is that kind of what you get from that question? It is kind of, yeah. Never having a positive reciprocated experience. Yeah. And so it might be thinking through what are some of the, the behaviors or ideas or expectations that you have going into a relationship. And what does reciprocated mean? Like, um, is it that you are always planning all of the dates with your partner or you're the one always taking the initiative and the other person isn't, um, are you able to work that out and kind of talk things out? 
with your partner. Um, but I definitely don't think it's hopeless, right? We can have failed relationships, quote unquote, and actually they're great learning experiences. We can look back and say, wow, you know what? Uh, I actually did most of the work in that relationship and I'm looking for a partner who, who I would want to initiate more and how can I communicate that better? Um, what about you? Are, are there any other things you would add? Do you have any other ideas about what what it what you would do in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that you have to prioritize your own uh, well-being in relationships. And, you know, depending on what that, I guess, negative experience is, there's some things that maybe, um, you know, if, if, if it's... If it's something like safety or like violence related, then that's something that where I think you really, you know, I don't know that you really do give more chances after that. Um, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think I meant I thought the question was asking, like, do I give more relationships a try? But this it's like give the, giving yeah. the same person a try. Uh, I see. Yeah. I mean, I think. The difficult part is, can you forgive somebody, right, and move on? Because sometimes we have issues that arise. And if we aren't able to forgive, which is really different from um, forgetting about it or pretending it never happened, um, there's some myths about what forgiveness is. Like, if I forgive this person, they're just going to keep doing it over and over again. I think forgiveness is more about what can you yourself let go of that like emotional angst related to whatever it is that's happened um, and kind of move on uh, and allow that person a new fresh start. Can, can you have a fresh start with that person? Um, yeah. Um, I'll ask, I'll, I'll, I'll moving on to our yeah, next sure. question. We've got a couple more. Um, so this is actually a two-part question. Um, but the first part is, how do you cope with a breakup that needed to happen with a person you loved who is now hurt? Yeah. Breakups are really hard. And I think it's important to realize that breakups are losses and losses entail grief. And so we're going to have an experience of loss, mourning that relationship. When we think about it, when we think about a breakup as a a loss and a, having grief over it, sometimes it can make more sense. So we have to take the time to be able to be sad, like grieving the future that we imagined with this person that we no longer will have. And sometimes that means taking some distance from the relationship, right? Often there's this push to like, well, we're friends and I I want to be able to have a friendship with them and still talk to them and message them. And um, sometimes it means taking a break and taking a step back from that friendship, not forever, um, but taking the time to attend to your own feelings of loss and grief. And it's really hard to do that if you're paying more attention to the other person in the relationship who's been dumped or, you know, that you've broken up with trying to take care of that other person's feelings and emotions. Um, so I think it is healthy to take some time apart to focus on your own grief and loss and also, you know, get back in touch with things that you love, like spending time with your friends, um, doing the things that you like to do before you got into a relationship, perhaps, right? Um, it, so it is, it's like fill your own cup first, right? You, you have to be able to attend to your own feelings before you help 
another person and trusting that you're the person that you broke up with. They also have friends who are supportive. They also can do their own healing. Um, but you don't need to be the one to support them through that. Cause I think that can be really detrimental, um, for both of you probably. Thanks so much for that advice. I'm hoping that this that helps this person and anybody else who might be struggling with like a similar thing. We've been answering survey questions from you anonymously, the viewer, um, and we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, second chances after positive or after not having positive reciprocated experiences and how to cope with a breakup that needed to happen. But now the other person is hurt. And so that last uh, question about coping with a breakup was actually a two-part question. So Spring, I wanted to ask you the second part, which is what is the line between taking care of yourself and taking care of your partner? <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> I think it, it takes some paying attention to ourselves to really know what is the line between, you know, am I, am I taking care of the other person too much? I guess if you're asking that question, probably is too much right because there's some part of you that recognizes that like wow I'm feeling emotionally drained by like attending to my partner's emotions or um, is it time to take a step back and really spend some time meeting your own needs right and trusting that your partner will also meet their own needs they have their own support system um, trusting that they also can can cope with their own feelings and emotions there's this interesting study that i was reading about feelings and emotions and um, the research says that an emotion or a feeling will really only last about like 30 seconds 45 seconds it's thinking about the feeling that really makes it go on what feels like forever, right? So how we think about our feelings can really change our perspective. Um, can we see our partners suffering and say, wow, that's a tough situation. And I know that that they're they're going to make it. They're, they've gotten through tough times before and they're going to get through this one too. Um, and the same goes for yourself, right? Can you look at your own experience and say, wow, I feel really hurt right now. Um, and there's also these other positive things that are happening for me. Like there's this, you know, I have this friend that I just talked to and I feel great about it. So can you hold both and it's kind of developing some flexibility with how you think about things? Um, can, can you be happy in a relationship and also hate that the other person doesn't do the dishes the way that you would really like them to do the dishes, right? Um, and relationships, I think, are a dance of that. It's a dance of, I have these expectations about how things will go. And sometimes, most of the time, <laughs> they don't always go like that. And can you, can you appreciate what it is that you have um, with your relationship and, and kind of cultivate a culture of appreciation with your relationship as opposed to um, a culture of like, I don't know, lack of picking on your partner, mm -hmm. um, disappointment. And again, there's a line, right? There's always this line of like, this is unacceptable behavior versus this is just a behavior that like, they always drink like almost all the milk and just leave a little bit in the fridge um which is really obnoxious but i can deal with it does that make sense yeah um that concept of that line um 
is that different for each person or are you thinking of like more like hard limits like that this is unacceptable behavior like what what does that mean to you yeah i think about red flags and we often hear this about relationships that are toxic or relationships that have red flags like do not engage in this kind of behavior and I would say that there's probably four signs that really you should pay attention to in a relationship that would be red flags for me and one of those would be um, a lot of jealousy right so somebody who is controlling your behaviors controlling where you go who you see what you wear um, sending you a lot of text messages or um, limiting access to financial resources limiting access to friends like I don't want you hanging out with so-and-so right these are kind of red flags that are like hmm what's really happening here and sometimes it can be disguised as love like I love you so much I just I don't want you to have to look at your bank account and so I'm just gonna you know, or I love you so much. I just, I don't think that person is really good for you, that friend. And so I don't think you should go hang out with them. Um, the second one that I've heard of is love bombing. Um, I guess I would call it affection bombing. I don't know that it's really love, but it's this idea that the person is just overwhelming you with like, you are my soulmate. You are my perfect person. I cannot live without you. Um, especially like threats of suicide. If the other person is leaving, like if you leave me, if you ever leave me, I will kill myself or I will, um, harm myself in some way. Those are, are really big red flags, right? That, that would need help right an outside intervention um and then there's another red flag jealousy controlling behaviors i think that's it is there another one that you would add or red flags that you've seen red flags um yeah, I definitely think um, going off that idea of controlling behaviors, I definitely think a way that you might see that for a lot of students would probably be online too with social media. Do you have any thoughts on like how that idea can kind of um, manifest in almost like digital control? Like, like the way, I don't know, I think I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, like giving access, like I want access to your Instagram account or um, having access to other online like social media accounts, that would definitely be a red flag, right? Like I can't, I don't want you on these other websites or like social media sites. Um, I think lying too, right? And some lying is normal. There's a lot of survey and research that suggests lying is actually normal. People lie on average about once a day and there's small white lies perhaps um, or exaggerations of the truth and we all do it. But there's a difference between lying occasionally um, and lying consistently and constantly even over small things that don't seem to matter. Um, and so habitual lying is, is another red flag. And I think about that with social media and online resources because we often don't know on Tinder, right? Whether somebody is what they say they are. And so paying attention to that, I think for online dating, it would be important. Um, don't use perhaps your a picture in front of your dorm room uh, 
as your profile picture on your Tinder, right? You might not want people to know where you live. <laughs> um, thinking about safety of like, there are people that you might not want to have that kind of information. So kind of thinking that through. Um, I think that's actually a really interesting transition to a couple of the other survey questions that were submitted. One of which was, is just kind of general, like is online dating good? Like, um, and, um, you know, I mean, you talk a little bit about the idea of safety, but do you have any other, um, thoughts about online dating in general or, 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 t- or tips for um, how to keep yourself safe, think about your mental health regards to in regards to online dating? Yeah. I mean, the idea that online dating is rare is a total myth, right? Like, we know that the majority of college students are using online dating apps, and that's the way it is. Um, and that's okay. It's not abnormal to be using a dating app to be able to find other people in your area that are also interested perhaps in the same thing that you are. Um, whether that's a hookup or a relationship or um, whatnot. So if you're feeling strange about that, you shouldn't be because most people are using dating apps. Um, and I guess just in terms of mental health, it's important to recognize your own tendencies towards like, are you checking it all the time to the detriment of your friendships and relationships that you already have? Like thinking about how much time or energy you're spending on that. Um, and is it worth it? Is that really what you want to be doing with your time? Um, just being thoughtful and mindful about it, I think is important. Um, it's not bad or wrong, but is it what you really want to be spending your attention and time and effort on. Um, And in terms of safety, I guess I would just say the biggest safety tip I have is just don't meet or have, you know, your online date pick you up from where you live, right? Just meet in a public space for the first time. You guys can go hang out, um, have somebody drive you, get an Uber, do whatever you need to. But like, you never know. Um, Not a great idea to have somebody come pick you up at your residence, at your home, um, for a first time date. Um, with that concept of online dating also weighs really well into another question someone asked, which is kind of about hookup culture. And, um, this person says, all my friends are hooking up. That just isn't my thing. Is this normal? Yeah. Some really interesting research came out, um, right before the pandemic. So I'm not certain if this will be consistent with everyone's experience now, but um, Lisa Wade, she was a sociology professor and she looked at um, students and hookup culture. And what she ended up finding is that most of the time students were actually pretty unhappy with hookup culture in terms of like people were getting more anxious before they went out. Um, They, the vast majority was like, I'd like to do it, but the way people do it is so unpleasant. So they found that like, you can't be vulnerable or tender in a hookup situation. Um, so you end up get going to a party, maybe drinking, having some guy approach you um, f- from behind, which was how Wade described it, and that you can't turn around or look at who it is because it elevates the script of a hookup. And so it's kind of this idea like, I'd like to hook up, but I don't want it to be quite so like 
lacking vulnerability or intimacy or it, it just it feels really weird right like you want to be able to experiment and explore your sexuality which is totally normal um, but people wanted to do it in a different way and so they found that they had this idea that like some of their friends were happy and others of their friends they saw were just engaging in this cycle of like drinking, hooking up, feeling miserable about it, um, and then doing it again the next week. So it was really interesting, like some, some mixed ideas that maybe it's not actually what everybody is doing, or maybe people aren't enjoying it as much as people perceive others to be enjoying it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think that's, unusual at all right I think that's really interesting the idea of that cycle I feel like that definitely shows how hookups and and that really can take have an impact on a person's mental health to kind of close out the 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 anonymous question portion of of our conversation this morning um, this uh, last question um, the person asks how do I find my uh, quote, perfect partner. Um, no one seems to check off all my boxes. Am I do- being too picky? Do you have any advice for this person? Yeah, that that also comes up a lot. Like when, when people think about love and relationships, often the first go-to activity is let's make a list of all of the things that I want to have in a partner, which can be really helpful. It can help you understand more about what it is that you value and what you're looking for in a relationship. Um, But interestingly enough, the research shows that when we have these lists, who we end up dating um, isn't really defined by those lists. It's more about proximity. And so you're more likely to date someone, say, that lives in the building next to you or an apartment next to you um, and kind of make your list match the person that you find. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's almost like we have these ideas of who we want to be with. And then we find someone and suddenly magically the list that we have is not quite so important, but we can find the good qualities in the person that we are dating. Um, they did this with speed dating. So they ended up having people make lists of their ideal partner. They surveyed them again after they got into a relationship and they ended up finding that um, the people that they ended up dating did not always match that original list, right? Um, or didn't have the same rank order qualities. So it's really interesting. We, you probably are being too picky then, right? Like if you if you are basing your wanting to get into a relationship with this idealized version that we have, I think social media also kind of compounds that experience, right? We have this idea that. You know, my friends are dating somebody who is a making a ton of money or is a football player or is in sports. And like, that's what I should look for in a partner, too. And in reality, we all are just human and we have high points and low points. And research shows us that um, those lists at the end of the day tend not to be quite as important as we want. So I would encourage this person to go ahead and, and give it a shot, you know, even if somebody doesn't meet all the criteria can you go in and have an open mind and have a new experience of a relationship um even if that person isn't you know quite as attractive or doesn't have blue eyes or doesn't have you know 
the hair color that you're interested in or whatever it is that's on your list. Thinking of the idea of that list and boxes, are there any kinds of values that you think are really important, like beyond, um, you know, boxes related to like how a person looks or, or anything like that, where you think are important um, when, you know, kind of looking for a partner to to just pay attention to? Like, what, 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 what do you think people should look for? Um, yeah. So if you're interested in relationships, I think um, John Gottman or the Gottman Institute, there's this research um, institute that is all about love and relationships. And so what happened was that the Gottmans took a bunch of couples, married couples, long-term couples, couples, and put them in a lab environment and observed them. They just spent a lot of time observing the behaviors and words and interactions of these couples as they lived in this institute, right? And made a tally of what behaviors couples who stayed together engaged in and what kind of behaviors led to the dissolution of the relationship, right? And they found that the most important thing is being able to find somebody that you can turn towards. And so those are like bids for connection. When we have somebody who's like, hey, isn't this the like sunset really great? And the person is on their phone and like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's great. Or like, oh, I found this really awesome band. Like, can, can I can I share it with you? Um, you want to be able to have somebody who you can turn towards, right? And who turns towards you, who can listen to what it is that you are experiencing, um, paying attention, right? Listening. Those are probably the hallmarks of a quality relationship. Can you listen to what your partner has to say without wishing it was different? Like, oh, I wish you actually listened to the band that I listened to, you know, or comparing or judging. I think those are the kind of things that turn us away from relationships. But really, I would say that, you know, your primary box that you want to check is, can this person listen to me, pay attention to me? Um, do they respect me, value me? Um, do they see me as an individual and support me in my studies, right? Or are they like, no, I'd rather you skip class and like, come hang out with me or, oh, I'd rather you like, did this other thing that doesn't doesn't support you in your own dreams and desires, right? And and can you do that for your partner so that you have a happy, I imagine, healthy relationship? Uh, that does conclude the, the, the survey questions that we've had submitted. But kind of moving forward, um, what other general tips do you have for a healthy relationship? Yeah, um... I think going along with that, the how you nurture a relationship is you have to also foster a culture of appreciation. Can you um, say what you appreciate about the other person? And they also reciprocate that, right? So, you know, I love, I, I appreciate how you um, drove me to work because I was running late and I don't have a parking spot and I hate parking. Um, the other person is thoughtful. They're thinking about, um, thinking about you, um, finding the positive and saying it out loud will really help nurture and support a relationship and nurturing yourself. That means maintaining friendships, 
people in relationship are so much happier when they maintain friendships outside of the relationship than when they um, kind of self-isolate, which is totally normal. Uh, at the beginning of a relationship, you're really excited to be with this new person, and so you spend more and more time with them. But really, at some point, you want to be able to say, yeah, and I want to make sure my friends are like being attended to. I want to make time for my friends. Um, keep working towards your own goals. Don't give up you know, your own goals and your own dreams because it's not healthy for you and it's not healthy for the relationship. Um, Take responsibility. Take responsibility for what you can in the relationship and recognize that um, we all make mistakes. This is all a learning experience and um, fight a fight in a relationship doesn't mean it's over. It just means there's something worse arguing about or like that you're both passionate about something and you feel safe enough in the relationship to have an argument and know that you can come back and reconcile you know um make up break not break up but like have a fight and also come back together and it creates more intimacy when you know that that it's okay to disagree with your partner i guess and um know that you can still have a relationship and disagree that doesn't mean you're gonna agree with somebody 100 percent of the time you have any other ideas about healthy relationships or things that you are you you're like yeah communication i think is a big a big thing do you have any thoughts about that um i think communication is so tricky because we can sit here and say like healthy communication is so good and important it's important to express your needs but the in order to have healthy communication, you have to know what your own needs are. And that means you have to think about yourself, right? You have to think like, what are my needs? What does make me angry? Spend some time with yourself, like journaling or jotting things down, making a note of it. You know, what? getting to know yourself. Um, I don't think we can really communicate our own wants and needs until we take a moment to really think about what those are. So self-reflection. It's important. Uh, you were talking a little bit before about kind of, you know, outside of your relationship, uh, nurturing your friendships and, and the things that make you happy. And I think there are a lot of things that impact student happiness and, and also student mental health in general. And so I wanted to ask you um, kind of beyond relationship concerns, what are the um, most common effects? issues affecting students' mental health right now? Yeah, it's really interesting because we just ran some statistics about what are the top presenting concerns for students. Um, And it used to be, I think, before COVID, it was a little bit different. It was more uh, depressive concerns, um, some like being away from home. But the number one Concern bringing students into the Carruth Center this year has been loneliness. Um, and I think that's because COVID has changed things, has made it more difficult, um, and that people have a harder and harder time making connections. I would say almost 90% of the people that come in and that I see say they struggle with making a connection um, and wanting to have more relationships and friendships on campus, but also having a lot of ambivalence about that. So feeling like 
anxiety about making friends or like, do I talk to this person in my class? How do I talk to other people? Is this person going to think I'm weird if I ask them to like study with me or um, go hang out? And so we, we crave these connections and loneliness is really driving um, students' mental health. And at the same time, I think students are really lacking the resources that ability to be able to make relationships because of COVID and um, that, yeah, if you can feel uncomfortable and kind of vulnerable to approach somebody and say hi, but really doing that uncomfortable thing is going to be the best thing for your mental health is like, it's uncomfortable, try it because the, but the other person is probably thinking the exact same thing that you are. So um, really really making the effort to to make connections I think is going to make a big improvement in people's mental health overall. Thank you for that advice. We were talking a little bit about the current issues um, that are impacting student mental health and one of the things that you mentioned was um, like loneliness especially coming out of the pandemic or during the pandemic with COVID um, and there, there there are a lot of things going on right now in, in addition to COVID um, and over the past you know year or two that have happened um, that I think have impacted student health um, but I guess one of the uh, some of the hot topics right now um, I guess to start out with, I mean, we have this bill currently going through the legislature about campus carry, which I think raises anxiety for a lot of students. Um, how does the Cruise Center support student concerns over over like pending legislation like that, where it hasn't passed yet, but maybe students are worried about it? Yeah, absolutely. So we we have the crisis clinic, um, which is a walk-in clinic. If there's a crisis, you can come in and talk to somebody. You can also schedule a consultation. And that means, you know, maybe you're not thinking about long-term therapy or short-term therapy, but you are thinking like, hey, there's an issue and I just want to talk to a counselor and, and think through some of the things that I am worried about, including the campus carry. And so you're more than welcome to come in and we can support students in, um, talking through some of those experiences that they're having. Um, and, and that would, that makes sense, right? <clears throat> that there would be worries and concerns about that on campus and, and we're there to support people. Um, there, there's another bill that I think students have expressed sort of concerns about and that would be, um, there's another bill going through uh, the house right now to uh, limit access to gender affirming care for trans youth. Um, and so that kind of leads me into the question of like, in this case for, for trans students or LGBTQ plus students, um, how does the Cruise Center accommodate students from um those backgrounds and also from just, I mean, we have a diverse, we have uh, plenty of um, communities on campus from diverse backgrounds. So how does the Carew Center accommodate students from diverse backgrounds? Yeah, so we actually see a high percentage of students with diverse backgrounds and from <clears throat> minoritized populations. So we have a uh, a lot of clients who seek out services from the queer community um, and from other marginalized communities. We are working at Carruth to make those statistics more widely available in that way so that other students can also see if they're wondering or worrying like, oh, am I going to be the only X person at Carruth? Like, guess what? You're not because we see people um, from all different kinds and areas of the, of the campus, um, 
and we're working on making that a little bit more transparent. So, um, like, if you're worried about that or wondering about that, we're working to make that more transparent on our our webpage about just in general what what our student makeup is of students that we see. Um, we also partner with different. We partner with the LGBT campus resources. Um, we reach out to the. We have other reach outs. We do this let's chat. I don't know if you've heard about that, um, but where we go to different residence halls um, and different student groups and basically are just available if anybody wants to talk um, in an informal way because not everybody feels super comfortable coming to the Caruth Center. That way you can have an informal setting where you can the counselors are in your space um, that you can talk to and ask questions. So hopefully that will also decrease some accessibility concerns or like worries like, oh, I don't want somebody to see me going to the cruise center, right? Um, so hopefully that will be helpful too. Uh, one thing I've noticed in my time as a student is that whenever something just for lack of a better term, big happens. Um, take, for example, over the summer, Roe v. Wade was overturned, or we've had some local um, things that have happened to a couple years ago. We had a, a student who um, uh, died in a very public way on campus and, and other like incidences of um, like violence around campus. A few weeks ago, we had um, a shooting that was not on campus, but that was close to campus. Um, so when students come to the Cruise Center with concerns over events that have happened, um, you know, what, what support can they expect to receive? Yeah, so we have, <clears throat> we have individual options. If we tend to see a lot of students coming in for the same thing, then we end up putting together a workshop or a group experience because knowing that others are experiencing similar feelings to you can be one of the most validating and positive experiences. So we do try it. Like if we see several students are like, hey, people here are like really struggling with um, suicide or they're struggling with um Violence, they're struggling about decision making, whatever that is, we can put together, we'll put together a group or a workshop related to that. Um, I know that in the past, Caruth has partnered with the university to be able to have staff available on site in the event of a tragedy or an event or an, um, so that students can access mental health um, services, you know, on site when they happen. Um, I can't speak to what those policies are or like how we respond, I guess, because I'm an intern, but that's one of the ways that Caruth is responding to help mental health needs on campus for students is by being there and offering services um, at the Caruth Center specifically. Um, we've talked about a lot of things today, uh, from everything from mental health to healthy relationships to the Crew Center's general offerings. Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that, that you think it's important to bring up that, you know, this could be related to anything we talked about today or anything else that we haven't discussed? Yeah, I guess the idea of FOMO would be the last piece that I would put out there is that I think FOMO can really destroy our mental health. It can destroy our happiness. It can destroy like feeling good in the moment. And then we compare it to somebody else and we're like, oh, 
I guess it's not that good. And we do that with our pain too, right? Like, oh, I'm having such a hard time. I failed this exam. And then you look and somebody's dog died and you're like, oh, I guess I can't feel bad about that because somebody else has it worse. <laughs> I just really encourage people to to take a step back from FOMO because um, we have this negativity bias and an overstimulation or an overestimation of like how happy other people are, right? We, we imagine that, um, this one survey said they thought only 52% of their peers were feeling depressed, but exactly 78, almost 80% of the respondents admitted to feeling depressed at some point in their lives in the, in the last recent, um, recent past, like last month. Um, so I think that goes to show that we really underestimate, um, I guess, overestimate other people's happiness, right? And so if you can stop comparing your own experience to others, I think it will bring a lot more peace and ability to focus on your own joy in the moment of your own life. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Do you think social media plays a big role in that? Yeah, absolutely. And and also, like, just what we learn growing up, right? We're always comparing, like, so-and-so got first place in the spelling bee, and I only got this far, you know? So it's just ingrained in us to do this comparison. But if we can take a moment to be like, oh, wait, actually, that doesn't help or change my situation at all, maybe we can take a moment to really think about um, stopping the focus on comparison and just experiencing what you have because that's really in the end you know you're with yourself 24 hours a day seven days a week so make it a pleasant experience for yourself and we're almost out of time here but i wanted to ask because you mentioned earlier today um that the crew center has an event coming up um and it was the craft event at towers but i wanted to ask just in general if there were any other events or or, or just things that the crew center puts on um it could even be regular events that you would like students to know about yeah, so we are doing, I know Hannah Jack is one of our trainees at the Carew Center, and she's hosting a pottery self-care event, um, and I think that's the 21st and 22nd in the evening at the Towers Craft Center, but you can check the Carew's webpage, I'm sure we'll post it up there. But we do a lot of self-care, um, <clears throat> especially as we get to midterms and the finals, we'll do some outreach events about um, stress seeing less before exams. I think last semester we had it at the rec center right around finals. And so we had like, um, like painting workshop, excuse me, and some other activities to kind of de-stress. For welcome week, we did aromatherapy packets and like academic de-stress packets that you could come in and get. And it's it's always really fun um, and exciting and kind of just a nice free way to get out and relax and maybe um, learn something new like painting or pottery or um, things that can just benefit your own your own well-being uh, in times of stress which happen yeah. all the time right oh, for sure especially for students <laughs> yeah um well that's all the time that we have today but thank you so much spring for coming on and, and, and chatting with us about these things um and thank thank you for, uh, to everyone for listening to our mental health q a right here on united to the moose